Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. In the last episode, we scratched the surface of thinking about what you want and practicing wanting because desire is necessary for change and growth. So today we're going to lean into the next step after identifying what you want, and that is keeping promises that you make to yourself. Why is this important? Promises or commitments that we make to ourselves should be highly valued because it's about how we see ourselves, what we think about ourselves, and the kind of person we are. It's an identity thing. So when we create the habit of letting ourselves down, the result is a self-image of undisciplined, unworthy, and inability. That's not who we want to be as women of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. Our confidence is built on the memory of success. And when we get specific about a promise to ourselves, and we connect why it is important, and we make the decision, the process thereafter of showing up for ourselves creates a self-image of discipline, worth, and competency. This is a vibe. This is the momentum we can establish for ourselves and pave the way for others to do the same. To show up for yourself, and that literally means to become the person you desire to be. So the way we're going to unpack this idea today is, first we're going to discuss how making a promise to yourself is about an identity shift. Second, we're going to discuss the difference between decision and continual negotiation of terms. I'm a pretty good expert at that. (laughs) And lastly, how commitment is the road we take to get there. It can be a well-paved road or it can be a wild, bumpy, pothill-filled path and anything in between. That's right. So the first topic, promise being an identity shift. In Atomic Habits, he, he discussed this a little bit about when you set a goal, it really is about figuring out and fleshing out the kind of person that it takes to become in order to reach that goal. So when I was thinking about this 10-day challenge that we just did, you know, there's some things there that I really could work on. Um, when it comes to promising things to myself and realizing that that actually means that I'm asking myself to change something. And you have to change something in order to obtain something. So like, for example, let's say I wanted to um, lose weight. It's really not about losing weight. It's about the person, the type of person it takes to become in order to be the disciplined person and change the habits that are keeping me from that goal or between where I am and where I want to be. What do I have to change about me that has to, either habits or character or the way I view myself, which is a big one. That's a 
big one because if you still view yourself in a negative light, it's very difficult to keep a promise to yourself. It's making me think that this might be the hardest step (laughs) of those three. This is just coming to my head as you're speaking that the reason we often fail is because we don't want to spend the time on this part. And so we jump into thinking we've decided and making a commitment and then not keeping that commitment. I mean, I can see this happening over and over throughout my life. The times that I have succeeded, I'm thinking I had to spend a lot of time in that identity piece. Mm -hmm. If you think about when you scroll social media and you look at people's posts, you know, and that's the highlight reel of their life. Most of the time you're seeing pictures and videos of the polished side of life. And you, and you think about, oh, I wish I was, and you fill in the blank with any of that. I wish I was the kind of person that could, you know, be disciplined enough to do the kind of jump rope being that some of these people do on there, or, uh, you know, whatever kind of uh, beautiful makeup that people are doing all the time or, you know, whatever it is. And you think, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Because it's the highlight reel. I step back and realize there's a reason I don't do that. (laughs) That's not me. I'm not that person. And promising something to yourself really has to be something that is very much in alignment with your values and beliefs. And a lot of times we don't take the time to sit and think about the promise itself and what it means to us. You know, on a superficial level, I'm going to buy a jump rope and jump rope every day. And I did that. (laughs) I'm bringing that up because that was actually an example I did during the, when I did the 75 hard challenge and jump roping is hard. And it it, is, it's a heck of a workout and it is, is all over body and cardio workout. It, rocked my world. Mm-hmm. And by day three, I was really re-examining my whole thoughts on becoming an expert jump roper. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if this is really something I value, you know, because <laughs> that was a lot. I will say that I have stuck with it. I had to press in a little bit, but you get to that point where you're like, okay, really, do I want this? Is this, do I want to become the person, the kind of person that it takes? to do this thing. Have you ever had that? Do you have a cycle of starting, stopping the same thing? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was in our, one of our uh, coaching sessions we had with our community. It was one of our girls had a hard time starting things and the other one had a hard time finishing things. And I thought I have a hard time with both. <laughs> and I was like, I knew we had just talked about this, but for me, And some of this is my personality. I'm not going to use that as a crutch, but action is my growth word when it comes to like the Enneagram nine. We like to just sit where we are and not really do anything. Not not that we don't like to do anything, but taking action is really hard. For me, even simple things like getting a package in the mail. Mm -hmm. I have a very difficult time with mailing things. I don't know why. That's not a hard thing to do. That's just one of those things that I will put off until the last minute. I've got to do something this week. That's why that's coming to my mind. And I just keep finding other things to do because I don't want to, I don't know what, I just don't want to do it. Learning this about myself has been helpful because 
I realize that just is a challenge for me and it makes me feel better about myself <laughs> knowing that that is a kind of a natural challenge for me. And so I am learning to press in and trying to find the ways that help me take action and get started. I mean, I can see it in so many areas of my life. I mean, certainly diet and exercise. We joined this gym right next to our house and we haven't been going. The minute I quit, I'm going to want to start going so that we have to reapply. It's like, I think I've joined and quit that gym probably 10 times in the last six years. <laughs> every time I quit, I'm like, oh, I think I want to start going again. <laughs> and thankfully it's cheap. So we just keep paying our $10 a month and then we haven't been in there in months. But I'm like, I don't want to quit because then the second I quit, I'm going to join again. Maybe that'll get me going though. I don't know. But that's one of those cycles that we definitely do. But a good example is even just with coaching, I find, and some of this is my brain and some of it's procrastination, but I've learned in business, and you probably have learned this too, that it's important to pick one thing, stick with it, get good with it, get good at it, and continue it, master it, and then move on to the next thing. I like to start something, and then I like to start something else. I think I get bored a little bit. Or I get a little bit scared or confused. And so I just want to drop that thing and go on to the next. I thrive a little better having a couple different things. So I've learned, to I've learned to not have too many things, but I need more than one thing, mm -hmm. I think, to keep myself. Like we have the podcast and then I've got some other things going on. But it's like I just I have to go back and forth. And that helps me be productive because if I just have one thing, I'm going to avoid that one thing. <laughs> I agree. I'm the same way. I'm almost better with just shy of an overwhelming plate of responsibility. I was just talking to some friends about that. We were saying how it just seems like everybody is living in a constant state of overwhelm. And, and I was like, I actually like that feeling. <laughs> I feel like I'm not bored. And one of the things about an Enneagram 7, a big fear is being bored. So starting several things all at once, totally a terrible habit that I do, or doing the same thing, like starting something and not seeing it through to either mastery or completion, I can identify with that. I think one of the things that I identified as a big culprit there is when we no longer have value in that thing. So it's like when you start something and it seemed valuable at the time, how did I convince myself that that thing no longer had value, that I just set it down incomplete? Right. You know, it, it either got boring or I didn't find pleasure in that thing anymore. But it's a terrible habit. It's a terrible habit to have lots of incomplete things around you because it stays in the back of your head as incomplete. Yeah. <laughs> and then your head gets chaotic. It's not a matter of life or death. That I didn't finish that one online course or that thing that I started crocheting. <laughs> However, <laughs> it stays in my head and it creates trash. You don't want to keep doing that over and over because it becomes a habit. And we don't want that habit. I don't want to be described as the person that never completes a project, right? <laughs> right. That's not good. I don't want to see myself that way. I don't want others to see myself that to see me that way. Learning to say no is my growth thing. And the fear of missing out is a big problem. So I have to say no to the things that I'm actually missing out on. 
fun gatherings, parties, things like that, when I'm trying to stay the course on something, which kind of sends us into our part two. So we have our promise. We come up with our promise. We know that this promise that we want to make to ourselves has great value. We clarify what it means to us. We flesh out the type of person that it takes to fulfill that promise. And then we make the decision. And you had talked about this, I think, on a previous episode of what the Latin root word of decide or decision is. So it actually is a two-part word that uh, one part means cut and the other part means off. Deciding actually means to cut off everything except that one thing that matters. So when you decide or make a decision, that means you've honed in on the one thing and you've said no to everything else, all the other options. So if you think of that as making a deal at a table with a series of people and they come to an agreement on something, They've made the decision, bam, it's sealed and it's done. They don't keep coming back to the table to negotiate the same deal. The deal is already done. And that's Mm -hmm. what deciding means. So one of the things that I love is a quote by Clayton Christensen. He's a Harvard business professor. He says, 100% commitment is easier than 98% commitment. And what that means is once you decide you stop having that conversation with yourself. You don't wrestle with it. You don't negotiate with yourself. It is done. This is the decision. This is the promise. And this is what's going to happen. And I love that because I can, I can see myself when I was trying to create the habit of getting up at 5 a.m. And that conversation I would ha- have, you know, do I hit the snooze? Do I not mm-hmm. hit the snooze? Do I hit the snooze? <laughs> that <laughs> wrestling match means you're still negotiating. You have not decided. And when I read that and realized what that meant about being 100% committed, it's less energy. You don't wrestle with yourself. You don't negotiate with yourself. You don't argue with yourself. There's, there's no more discussing mm-hmm. it. It is done. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. I'm not hitting the snooze alarm, as painful as that is. <laughs> I think you can relate. It makes me think of like, I'm sure you have experienced this with your boys. I certainly have with my girls. I've got one child. I won't mention any names, but she would spend 10 times longer arguing about doing a task than it would take to just do it. You know, like whatever chore or what, what it was I wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and the energy she expended in all that was way more than it would have taken to just do the thing. But I, I do it myself, like mailing a package. <laughs> How long does that really take? <laughs> 10 minutes to box it up and put the address label on it. And then, you know, there's a UPS store right next to the Publix I go to every other day. It's not hard, but I will sit there and think about it and write it on my to-do list every day and just kind of dance around it. I don't know why. Like these are just avoiding this activity, which would take me just a couple minutes to do if Mm -hmm. I just did it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, by saying avoidance that you just, made me think about this. I was looking up antonyms of decision and delay (laughs) and avoidance is antonyms of decision. (laughs) And that's one of my number one defects, like is avoid all things that are hard or difficult. But my go-to is just, I want peace. (laughs) So 
if it brings me a little bit of discomfort, I'm going to avoid it. I mean, that's my natural instinct. I'm learning to press into that, but it's hard. It is hard. And I'm the same way, just uh, especially I'm okay with physical discomfort, but emotional discomfort, I'm a master of avoiding. <laughs> Mm -hmm. a master and I hate it because I that was probably one of the first things that I learned when I was first being coached and it's still a battle it's still an absolute I mean it's been two years of really just trying to trying to become comfortable with it and it's just I don't know that I'll ever be comfortable with it I think it's always going to be friction for me yeah I think taking action is always going to be harder for me than it might like my husband that's like the easiest thing for him in the world I'm never going to be him but I am learning you know, taking action is just something I have to practice and keep working at one of the neat pictures I'm visual and my BSF leader did this as a, a example one time I don't even remember what we were talking about but she had someone come up and she had a big long rope and she put it around there, they had them stand and put the rope around them, like a circle around them, probably the size of a hula hoop or something like that. And she said, you know, this is your comfort zone. And then she had them step outside the rope. But use the example, like once they've stepped outside the rope, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But after they've been there for a while, then she made a bigger circle around them. So their comfort zone grew larger. And then you step out of it again, and it grows a little bigger each time. So I don't know that I'll ever be like super comfortable taking action, but I can grow in my ability. And I hope what I can do is grow in the length of time it takes me to take action. <laughs> if I'm still struggling with this decision, like you said, if you're pushing the snooze button, you haven't decided. It's helpful for me just to think through that because it's like, all right, I much rather would be 100% committed and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It is easier. It is easier. There's no more fight. There's no more, you know, thinking about ways to get out of it. <laughs> Excuses. How can I come up with a justified reason not to do the thing? <laughs> you know? Right. I can waste plenty of time trying to get out of just doing something. Yeah. Just like the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I remember my mom, one of her, she had so many great sayings. Um, that she would say all the time to all four of us kids is, you know, we would be moaning, complaining about something that she told us to do, go clean up your room or take out the trash or do the dishes, whatever it was. And she would say, for Pete's sake, all this time you've spent complaining and moaning about the task, you could have already had it done. Mm -hmm. Yes. Heard that about 10,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's more fun to complain. Right. <laughs> but you know what I like? that you said is you have to practice and you're trying to make the cycle shorter. You're practicing working against that conviction of taking the action and you know that about yourself. And the beautiful thing about the Enneagram and about coaching is once you know something about yourself, you can make it work for you. You know, as, as long as you are ignorant to a weakness, that weakness controls you and it has an effect on all areas of your life that you're unaware of, you know, I mean, if you were to flesh out right now how not taking action has delayed things in your life, you could probably sit here and do a whole episode on it, right? Oh, and yeah. It goes into all areas of your life. And not taking action becomes um, a, 
it's detrimental for you because then it you is. really don't get what you want. And the end result is not what you want. You had brought it up one time about a conversation that you were having or should have, and you were kind of wrestling in your head. Got to have this uncomfortable conversation with my daughter. I don't want to. And that wrestling match happened, but the cycle went faster and you had the conversation and the end result was beautiful. And that memory of success created more confidence in you. So the cycle just keeps getting shorter and shorter. So now it has less power over you. That's what I love is when you say I'm practicing that thing. I'm practicing working against that, that, that friction of not mm -hmm. taking action. And you're super aware of it. You know when it's happening. I have the same thing when I'm avoiding, uh, avoiding mm -hmm. emotions. When I'm, it, I, I look like I'm really busy. And I'm really busy because I'm avoiding something. <laughs> it's not bad to be busy. It's bad when you're doing it so you can avoid the other thing. Right. So I know that I'm aware of it now. And there, you know, once you're aware, though, it is hard not to deal with it, which is a good thing. But practicing is really what it is. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Practice being better and taking on more opportunities. And God will give you all the opportunities you need to build that character, you know, <laughs> <That's> for sure. <laughs> that is a true story. And as you were saying that, it made me think what I learned and my coach told me, and I think I've mentioned this before, but she said, as a nine, it's helpful not to work alone. And I have, in most of what I'm doing now, partnerships with people. And I'm much more comfortable with that. And I can see that I'm getting much further in what I'm doing, having those partnerships than I ever would by myself. By myself, I just wasn't moving forward. And I think a lot of that is she helped me see that I needed that. And so that's been really helpful. And as you were talking about the conversations, like with my daughter, the same thing with my husband, with really anybody that I have to tell them how I feel. I don't like doing that. Like with my husband recently, he receives things very well, but we've had a difficult past. And I realized this week, I talked to him about it. I said, I am afraid. I, I sat on something I wanted to talk to him about for about two weeks, which is better than years, which was the last time. That's progress. It is. <laughs> it's getting a lot shorter, but still bringing me a lot of anxiety. I said, I don't know why I'm afraid. He was like, I probably trained you in the past that you know, this might end in a fight or whatever. In the past, you know, we didn't have very good conversations. And in the beginning of our marriage, we were still learning. And we had a great conversation. But I, the root of it was just fear of telling him how I was feeling. And, well, and that comes from he's a three. They don't deal with feelings well. <laughs> so in the past, when I would tell him how I was feeling, he wouldn't respond the way I would want him to. Okay, I'm actually just learning this right now. So it's starting to make sense. <laughs> but he's grown also, and he's learned more about being a three. And so he actually, you know, we were able to have a better discussion now. But I think that actually makes sense about where that some of that fear comes from. Because when I had shared feelings with him in the past, he didn't know how to handle it. And it wouldn't be the way that made me feel better about sharing my feelings with him. Right, right. So this is all kind of making sense. But we're both growing 
which is nice and helpful. And so it is going to get easier for me to have these conversations. That actual change has happened Mm -hmm. because, you know, we kind of convince ourselves people don't change, things don't change, we can't change. You know, we get in that fixed mindset. And when you hear things like that, that is such an inspiring hope-filled story because you guys have both changed. Mm-hmm. And just like that, in a conversation that would that would have gone south in another season, actually turned out and had results exactly how you needed them to be. Safe, warm, accepting, loving, had all the elements that you needed so that the next time you are in that position, that cycle is going to move a lot faster. Yeah. Kind of fascinating, but also neat to know that we're just growing constantly. And I'm still learning a lot of this now, even as we're talking through it right now, it's starting to make more sense. And, and again, that does give me confidence. Sliding into the next and third part of our conversation is the, the commitment level. So you've gotten the promise. We've made the decision. We're 100% in it to win it. And then we hit the commitment level. Now, commitment is the action. It's the taking of the action that's going to get you to that promise. It's going to, you want something. It's either to change or something or to obtain something. It's the promise. That's what we're still keeping our eye on that prize. And then the commitment in the way that I want to flesh that out today is like the road that we take. It's every day we wake up and we remind ourselves of the commitment and we let the road be what it is. And the the important part about this that, Sally, you brought this up in a previous episode, is that commitment does not mean that it's not changing. Commitment means we keep our eye on the prize of the goal, but we may have to change our path there sometimes. We might have to take a detour. Like when you, if you think of commitment as a road, sometimes there's construction and you have to go around it. There's a detour. And that's because we live in a world that we do not control. And the commitments that we want to keep to ourselves may have to have compromises, adjustments, pivots. And that word is just forever seared in my head for the scene on Friends when he's trying to, you know, Ross is trying to get that couch up that crazy stairwell. And he's like, pivot, pivot, pivot. You know, you you can't (laughs) say that word without hearing Ross say. (laughs) I know. And that's what it is. You have, he... He had a goal of getting that thing up there and he had to pivot to get it up there. <laughs> he was committed and it required adjustments, constant adjustments to make that thing happen. And I know for any kind of promise that is going to be a long-term game kind of goal that you are, especially as a child of God, to keep your hands open. I want you to retell the story because I thought it was so perfect in alignment with this about them being called to ministry, what you didn't want to do, what you did want to do and how that changed over time. Yeah, we, um, I was in BSF or well, I'm in it now, but I would say probably 12 years in person. And a lot of those years I was asked to be a children's leader. And I was like, no, I felt like, I had more to offer women than children. And I had young children, and I kind of wanted a break from them, too. <laughs> Don't blame you. So that was a selfish part of me. But I just, I turned them down year after year. 
And then I finally was asked to be a group leader for the women. And I did that for a year and I had a, a wonderful group. I loved it. And it was great. But towards the end of the year, I just felt this pull to be a children's leader. And I shared with my teaching leader, I was like, I think I want to be a children's leader. And I, I think this is from God because I never wanted to do that before. <laughs> and, and I think there's something to that. Like God was probably trying to tell me all along that this would benefit me. <laughs> and I just ignored it and didn't want to do it. And then he finally got me, let me do what I wanted to do. And it actually went well, but he still turned it and had me. And I learned so much being a children's leader. And my kids were at an age where that was just, it helped me grow as a homeschool mom. They teach you how to teach and how to discipline and how to, I learned so much doing that that was so helpful to me. And when you have to teach a lesson to younger kids, you really have to understand it better and and teach it in simpler terms. Like I was a middle school leader when we did Revelation. So I really had to learn that very well. And that was challenging, but it was super re rewarding too. And I loved, I just loved being a children's leader and having that time. So it's just funny how sometimes God knows what we need and what we want. Mm -hmm. And I had to get there a roundabout way, mm -hmm. but he changed my desire to go in that direction. And I, I loved the time that I was able to do that. Yeah. So the commitment to BSF stayed and remained. And it was funny how in the beginning you had no desire to do that one thing. And I believe that it's timing too. I believe that God creates the right timing for it. And so when yeah. you were asked, it wasn't a good timing for you because the desire was not there. So that would have been so much friction for you to step into something that you did not want to do. And that's, right. that's a heart commitment too. That's a labor of love. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, your whole dialogue changed and now you actually wanted to. It wasn't that um, the positions changed or they needed somebody, you know, and you stepped in a, in a sacrificial way. No, you actually had a desire to. That is super cool. Yeah. I love that. That was neat. And I knew, I just knew it must have been from God because that desire had not been there before. <laughs> I love that. That's, um, I mean, I, I feel like there's so much that we could unpack about paying attention to the desires of our heart when, you know, and, it, and I think it's timing, you know, and we'll probably talk about that in another episode because we know that there's going to be times when we need to do things we don't want to do. That's adulting. <laughs> we right. have to do things that we don't want to do. And there's going to be times that we have to promise things to ourselves that we don't want to do. You know, there's just some yes. times that we have to shed a habit that is not serving us. But the shedding of the habit is not really something we want to do. When I first started trying to uh, take the reins on my diet, I said out loud, I will never give up pasta. It will not happen. But pasta was actually the thing that was holding me back from getting to the goal that I was trying to get to. And when I gave up the pasta, I got the results I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a really minor one. You know, I can say the same thing about alcohol. I was not heavy drinker, but alcohol was in my lifestyle. 
And alcohol has a huge effect on a woman's body more than a man's. After I did research, I realized that our bodies are way more sensitive. I think men's are too. Don't get me wrong. But women's, are, we're so complex already in hormones. <laughs> so <laughs> don't want to get derailed too much. But when I cut out alcohol, I didn't really want to because that really put a huge damper on my social life. Yeah. Because everybody circles around food and drink on most social occasions. And it was tough being the only sober one at the table, the only one that was a hundred percent, you know, and the only one that had to really look at the menu deeply and try to figure out what they could eat, you know, <laughs> that mm -hmm. was inside the realm I was trying to stay in. But the sacrifices that I made to get to the goals that I wanted, it's about that result. What is the result? What person do you want to become? And it was definitely worth it. I did a lot of things I didn't want to do, but I was able to reach the results that I wanted. Stephanie, uh, said in her interview episode, and I don't remember the exact words, but something like there's no growth without sacrifice. That's right. And I don't know if growth was the word she used. Change. But there's no change without sacrifice. Yep. You know, we've got to sacrifice something mm -hmm. to get something. And that's in anything. And anything worthwhile will require a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Something that really hit me was, I, I, I don't even know where I heard it. It might have been a podcast, something I read. And this was a while back. And the idea of failure comes up a lot in all three of these steps. So when we're trying to make that decision too, you know, we'll weigh that in our subconscious of the opportunity to fail. Is it really high? Then I'm not going to decide to do this. The promise to ourself, I'm not going to promise myself something if I feel like there is a greater potential of failure than there is victory. And then the same with commitment, you know, when you are trying to wake up every day and keep your eyes on the prize and it's just looking like a failure of a day, I think this is, this is the pivotal thing. When you are in that planning phase, really flesh out what does failure look like before you even begin. What does failure look like? Define it. How can I fail? How can I fail? When we really think about failure and fleshing out, what does failure look like for this thing? Then we can really identify the habit. And it's like becoming aware, like what, you know, when you said you became super aware of avoiding taking action. I became very much aware that I avoid uncomfortable emotions and when you know those things and you've identified it, failure for me is when I absolutely refuse to feel the feelings and I do a whole bunch of other stuff instead of dealing with the thing. Right. That is failure. You know, and failure for you is what, what would that look like? Probably just never speaking up, which I can do for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And what, what happens during that time? Like when I avoid, I know I'm just building a pressure cooker and I'm, be, I'm, I'm having other things happen in my life. I'm making decisions out of just trying to avoid. And it's, it never ends well. The result of that is mm -hmm. not good ever. You know, I just build up resentment or frustration. As you were speaking, 
And this is, I think, a picture of a graph in the book Atomic Habits. And I'll post it. I can't remember all of it, but it's like a, a curve. And it has, you know, when you're starting something new, it's very slow growth for a long time. And I want to say it's called like the, it had a name of that underneath the curve, which is very long. It's like this area of discouragement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it takes, I think area is not the right word, but it has something about discouragement. And I've seen that, like even, you know, if you think about what starting the podcast or starting a coaching business, there's this long time where it's just trying to figure it out because it's new and it's hard and it's different. And I'm so glad I worked with other people to help push me along because that's where people quit is in that, that area of discouragement. But if you can get past that point, then all of a sudden it starts to shoot up. Mm -hmm. It's like you hit that place where you're finally really moving forward and moving ahead fast because, and that's probably has a lot, it, I can almost see the promise, the identity shift <laughs> is that area of discouragement because that is so hard. And then you decide and make the commitment and you keep moving forward and then you start to see that, that upward movement yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah. And I, even like starting this, you know, we started in... We really started working on it probably last May or June, mm -hmm. and we launched in August, end of August. It was so hard. <laughs> Editing was hard. Everything was you hard. Know, Every step Everything of it. was hard. And I think, you know, we've gotten pretty good at it. But it took just doing it over and over, week by week. I haven't gone back and listened to some of our early episodes, but I'm sure I would cringe <laughs> if I did. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. But we had to just get them out. We'd never do anything if we never started. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about the decision part of it is like the one thing that we absolutely made the decision on was that there would be a new episode every Tuesday. And we've never renegotiated that. Not with ourselves. Not we haven't we haven't given ourselves a pass on it. And I can tell that it's easy. It just is. It's so set in stone that we make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't even think about it. It's just not even it's not even up for question or negotiation anymore. And I can now see where there's other areas in all the things that we have to do to make this happen that we should probably make the decision, <laughs> you know, and be more consistent with or whatever. But I, I can see how it's so much easier. Just it just is. And we just accept it. And every Tuesday there's a new episode. Yeah. And we do whatever it takes to make it happen. And that's the efficiency of the brain, too. The brain likes it to be efficient. And, mm -hmm. and when you make that decision, your brain likes that. And your brain's going to look and make things happen. Because we yeah. are a powerful force, you know. And once you make and you're all in 100%, I mean, we've had to say no to other things to make things happen too. And you had to wake up at four 30 this morning to make something happen for this podcast. So the commitment level is very high here. <laughs> I, I tried to go back to sleep, but my brain wouldn't let me. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, you're, you're going to have an early night. That's mm -hmm. how that's going to work. All right. Yes. 
So why don't we just recap and then talk about our takeaways. So the recap, the three prongs of promises to yourself, highly valued promises to yourself creates an identity shift. Then we decide 100% commitment is easier than 98. And then we take that road of commitment, allowing the road to adjust and pivot as necessary, but keeping our eyes on the prize, never laying down the promise. So what is your takeaway here? You know, this is silly, but talking through that conversation with Sean and remembering him being a three and that threes don't do well with feelings was like an epiphany for me, <laughs> like realizing that that's why I was afraid and that's why we had trouble before. And I just never made that connection when I was worried about it this week. <laughs> so that was like, I talked myself into learning something, which is why it's good to talk out loud sometimes. <laughs> yeah. As an internal processor, all of a sudden, yeah. uh, you know, uh, who is it? It's Andrew Kern talks about when you have something solved, like a math problem, you get a math problem wrong and your spirit feels discord. You get a math problem wrong. You get a math. And once you get that math problem right, that your brain experiences that harmony of peace and truth. And that's <laughs> like that when connections are made like that, all of a sudden you're like, the light goes off. And yeah. You're like, wow. Wow. I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That's a great takeaway. <laughs> I, know. I mean, there's a lot of other good stuff, but that was like, wow, I figured something out. And it makes sense. How about you? Um, I love how you were talking about practicing the things that we have to relearn or unlearn. I like the idea of practicing because. Um, my stress number is a one. So when sevens stress or get unhealthy, we go to a one in perfection mode. Um, it's where we try to gain control of our chaos. And when you said practice, it's just something I have to practice. When I, when you said that, I was like, that really is a peaceful way of thinking of it instead of just feeling like I have to hammer myself into something that I'm, I need more time to become. I'm just going to mm -hmm. keep practicing until I become. And that's what the promise is. It's just a promise to myself just to keep going, just to keep working on those things. And I have specific promises, but my promise to myself is just to keep doing the thing that is going to make me become the person I want to become. And I'm going to practice, not hammer myself into punishment through it, but right. practice. I, th I like that. It's so much more graceful and peaceful. Well, and that's another thing, Sean. That's one of the things we've learned just over the years is consistency and practice every day. And that's so countercultural to, I mean, I love instant gratification. Who doesn't? <laughs> I want to see big results fast. And that's just not really real life most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's consistency over time. I mean, even like, with this podcast or some that's just an easy example because it's so new to us it just took doing it every week and it's been you know almost six months it's gotten easier 
mm-hmm. but it took six months and there's still things that we're going to learn and I hope it gets even easier. Yep. That's true. All right. Our call to action is going to be to go and follow us on our Facebook group because there's the three prong approach that we took to keeping promises to ourselves in this episode. And we're going to break down some questions on that for each part in the promise. If we understand that promise is the highest ideal that requires a shift in identity, there's going to be great questions that you can ask yourself to really start working on some thought management about how you feel about yourself, that and those things are going to be the thing that may hold you back from making a promise to yourself or even understanding what promises to make to yourself. Then the decision part of it, really understanding what that is. When you make a decision, you are no longer negotiating with yourself. You're full on committed. Then in the commitment, you are taking a road that does change. Sometimes you have to change and pivot. And we're going to put a bunch of questions up on our Facebook group um, to keep you working on these promises to yourself and working on yourself and developing and becoming that wild woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. If you are looking for a community to help you make these promises to yourself, make decisions in the direction that you want to go and to help you keep your commitments to yourself, we would love to have you join our Women of Wild community. We call it the Wild Community. And we will be officially launching in January, but we're offering a trial period in December right now until January if you just want to check it out and see what it's like. If you do, we will put a, um, a link in the notes where you can get in on it and learn more about it. We'd love to have you. And until next time, stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.